All right. We have promised people cats. Cats. We're talking about cats. Cats. Okay. Let's start with our food heist. Okay. Because all I right. don't I don't want to get people all excited about cats and then jerk the rug out from under them. Okay. And talk about potatoes. So we're going to talk about reiterate. potatoes first. I'm going to reiterate as a teaser. Okay. That I loved cats. You loved cats. Yes. Okay. We are going to come back and talk in a couple of minutes about how he loves an absolutely terrible movie. But I assume. Anyway. So first, let's talk about potatoes. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Potatoes was a new world food. They yes. come from Peru. They were completely unknown in Europe or other parts until like the 1700s. Right. And then took over basically every cuisine. Yes. Right? Because they are one of nature's most perfect, most versatile, most yeah. amazing foods. I mean, Korean food, often one of the side dishes you get is potatoes. Mm-hmm. Right? How can you imagine like Irish slash British food without the potato? Yeah. Right? It's incredible. The potato and the tomato both just consumed pun intended, world <laughs> cuisines. Well, and what we're going to talk about is how that happened. Okay. In part. Because of it, a heist? It comes from a heist. Ooh. This is awesome. So people were bringing back things from South America, right? It had given us 85% of the world's silver, all these other things, including a handful of crops. Mm-hmm. And one of those was potatoes. And there was a French dude named Parmentier Antoine who thought the potato was perfect. He recognized very early on because he was a nutritional scientist. Okay. Which, you know, yep. I don't know in the 1700s how many of those there were. But he had studied this thing and he's like, this has incredible nutritive value, but it's awesome. And he brought it back to Europe and everyone said, no, this is a weird thing. All of those people over there, maybe that's okay for the American Indians. We're not going to eat it. Mm. That's nonsense. And It grows in the dirt instead of out of the dirt. Yeah, like people hated it. And so he went to King Louis the 16th, 16th. and Marie Antoinette. So like okay. full-on revolutionary era. Right. And he said, you know, and during the revolution, people were starving. There wasn't enough food. That was mm-hmm. a, a primary cause of the yes. revolution. Let them eat cake. And he said, we can feed all our people if we can convince them to eat potatoes. And so the king's like, hey, everybody eat potatoes. And they all said, no, you're stupid. And so Parmentier said, well... Why don't you throw some big parties where potatoes are featured heavily in every course? And so King Louis and Marie Antoinette did that, and everyone's like, no, this is stupid food. We don't want to eat it. And so finally Parmentier said, if we can't get the nobles to eat it, and we can't get the poor people to eat it because they think it's either foreign food or noble food, he said, King Louis, give me two acres of land and a whole bunch of soldiers. And he planted the whole thing with potatoes, and he posted big signs that said, these are the king's potatoes. No one's allowed to have them. (laughs) And then he instructed the soldiers not to stop anyone from stealing the food. And so the peasants sneaked in, stole all the potatoes, and the rest is history. It became this massive cash crop that kept people alive forever. Huge thing. Mm -hmm. Peasants all loved them. And it's because they thought they were getting away with something by stealing it from the king. Man, I'm surprised that didn't help King Louis stay ahead in uh, what happened to him going forward. Terrible. Stay ahead. Yes. He did stay ahead. He did become ahead. He became ahead. Which is different. Mm. So anyway, food heists stopped a bunch of people from starving. The end. Until they all grew the same 
exact potato plant <laughs> because potatoes you can, you know, genetically mm -hmm. reproduce them via the buds and things like that, so that they were incredibly susceptible to certain diseases, which then caused massive famines. Yes. But that didn't happen for like a hundred years. Mm. Anyway, Peru has several hundred varieties of potato, and they're all delicious. At least so, the few that I have tried. Going to put you on the spot. Okay. Idaho russet or Yukon gold from Canada? Yukon gold. Oh, you're picking, see, in my house. I say it without hesitation. We call those communist potatoes <laughs> because they're from socialist Canada. They're from socialist Canada? <clears throat> yes. Rather than good Republican Idaho, <laughs> you're, you're, you're eating the, the communist potatoes. I just let you know yeah. that. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. as a card-carrying socialist, that does not bother me at all. My mother hates it when I <laughs> call them <laughs> communist potatoes. Yes. Oh, a good Yukon gold potato will beat a... Russet any day of the week, in my very biased opinion. But they are very, very tasty. That is mm -hmm. by far the least controversial opinion that we are going to share tonight. That's right. So, cats. So, cats. Cats. Let me. Genuinely loved cats. Genuinely loved cats. Okay. Best viewing experience in a cinema. It was my home theater. That but you've you had know, since that I've had for Speed a while. Racer. Not maybe since Speed Racer. I liked Infinity War yeah. and that stuff better, but genuinely just had a delightful, wonderful time with Cats because I think Cats has good music. We maybe disagree on this. You are a little down on Andrew Lloyd Webber, and I understand Cats, which I don't think a lot of people understand what Cats, the original musical is. Mm -hmm. Cats, the original musical, is a ballet. A it's ballet. Just, it's straight up ballet. If you go to Cats expecting an opera with a story, then you're going to be disappointed. If you go to Cats understanding it's a ballet, it's about the dancing. The story exists only to connect what story there is, pieces of dancing. It's people in leotards dancing beautiful dances to good music in order to evoke the feeling of a cat's nimbleness mixed with T.S. Eliot's tongue-in-cheek poetry. Okay. Right? It is silly, intentionally silly. The big Deuteronomy soliloquy at the end is making fun of the fact that we all sat there and watched cats. It is firmly <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. You just have to read the words of it to understand that. Mm -hmm. It is you go because you want to see some dancing. It's yeah. no different from Swan Lake, just you know, people are dressed up like cats instead of rats, right? Now, not swine like I, not I, I, We do need to be upfront yes. about the fact that I have not seen this You've version seen of Cats. Music. Yeah. Have you seen? Which we knew going in. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to be able to like give specific examples yes. of how wrong you are or why. But I will say to your point mm -hmm. that I have seen interviews with Hal Prince, who was the original producer of the Broadway yes. Cats mm -hmm. when it first came out. And he tells a story about how he was trying to figure out what the story was about. And he went to Andrew Lloyd Webber and he's like, well, is it this? Are we trying to say this? What are we trying to communicate? And Webber said, Hal, it's about cats. Yeah. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Have you seen the musical Broadway version? I have. Okay. So you at least can, I, can I speak I did with not him. enjoy it. Okay. I do. Would it, you have enjoyed it more if you had known you were going to a ballet? I did know that I was going okay. to a primarily just, it's about cats. It is my least favorite Weber show. 
Okay. And that includes Starlight Express, which is about sentient disco trains. Yes. And also has no story to speak of. Mm-hmm. It's just each train gets their song, the mm-hmm. end. Thank you for coming to the show. I don't know if it is inherent snobbery mm-hmm. or if I wanted a story or maybe it's just my general hatred of all cats right. across the board. Yes. You, uh, but you cats don't like cats. Doesn't do it for like, me. Not capital C cats. You just yeah. don't like regular Just cats. the actual animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, you reader, watcher, viewer, specifically, I dislike your cat. Mm. I think it's terrible. You dislike your cats when you had them. Back when I had cats, yes. I did not like them. Mm-hmm. I will say that since we sold our cats, we haven't had to replace a single charging cable for a phone. Mm. It's been pretty nice. Okay. That sounds like correlation and being applied in interesting (laughs) ways. So your cats did not Um, live in your house. I will. Well, they did because my daughter had an in-the-house cat that ate a bunch of cords. I will say because I know someone's mad at me now because I very specifically (laughs) pushed all the buttons. I have never been mean to a cat. I've never abused a cat. When the you cats lived in my house, cat I fed them, I made sure that they were taken care of, and then quietly despised them from on far. So, I do like cats. Yes. Not capital C, lowercase mm-hmm. c cats. Yeah. You have, I've, how many cats do you have? I two? only, we have two. Two. They're both okay. strays that moved into our house, which is how one often acquires a cat. Yeah, I think that's how some of my cats came about. Mm-hmm. I will say that when I need to put a cat into a story, mm-hmm. I will typically name it Pinecone. Mm. Pinecone is a good name for a cat. That's yeah. that's one of our cats. So I do like that, but I appreciate Cats the Musical. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times in my life where I did not because my sisters made me watch it ad nauseum. So I know Cats very, very well from a sort of, I am tired of babysitting my little sisters who only want to watch this show, mm-hmm. but I appreciate Cats. And the movie Cats, I got really excited to see as soon as I saw the trailer because Tom Hooper has no idea how to make a movie musical. does not. He has just no concept. He does things, and we can talk about this if you want, that are actively detrimental to the music and the story. Yes. And he did Les Mis, and I will admit I didn't love his production, but it kind of worked because everyone in Les Mis is miserable. And having a bad day, everything's falling apart, and it is about the powerful emotion. So mm-hmm. his directing style, I can understand why it won awards. That same style applied to Cats was just a disaster waiting to happen, Yeah. right? And so when I heard that everyone was hating Cats, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be so amazingly good. And so then even, I saw the Even CG. with that hype, yeah. you still liked it. Oh, I loved it. Okay. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, this is the room level bad for me. Okay. Like transcends being bad and becomes so incredibly entertaining. Okay. So you're not arguing that it is good, good. You're arguing that it is bad, good, but it's in a, a different good way. kind of bad, good than most things you will ever see. Okay. Because so much skill is on display. Mm-hmm. I enjoy bad movies. But most bad movies that I enjoy, I enjoy because there is no skill on display and people are stretching beyond. Like when you watch Plan 9 from Outer Space, part of the lovability of Plan 9 for Outer Space is Ed Wood trying so hard with so little skill and so few resources. Yeah. Right? The earnestness that comes across. The earnestness. And so 
I love that movie for a completely different reason than I love Cats because Cats is the inverse, right? Cats is all the skill on display in the world. Mm-hmm. Immensely talented Immensely cast. talented cast. I really like the music of Cats. I know you don't, but mm-hmm. I yeah. like the music. I think, you know, multiples of the songs. Mr. Mistopheles is a banger. I just can listen to that. I know it goes on and on, so you have to, but there's just a lot of the music I really enjoy. And it has just an amazing cast. It has the best CGI workers you could hire, just not given enough time. <laughs> and you put this all together with decisions made on top that people below are executing with just excellence. Mm-hmm. And you have just the most beautiful piece of cinema. This movie is so great <laughs> because he ruins it in every conceivable way, despite how talented everyone is. Mm-hmm. And it's delightful. A lot of bad movies, you sit there and you're like, that's not this experience. I sit there and I'm like, mind blown it's like oh i can't i can't believe you did that why would you do that it's amazing that you chose to do that and Mm -hmm. i'm going to step you through how amazing each of these decisions are okay before we get into that yes let's lay some groundwork okay in how tom hooper does not know how to do music yes you go ahead with that and i will chime Uh, in because that is something i can talk about because i have seen les mis one of the things that he does for example is he does not use a tick track. He does yes. not keep people on the beat. And mm-hmm. in some ways, that kind of works. And you can see in Les Mis, like when Hugh Jackman is singing as Valjean, he has a lot more freedom to interpret the yes. music. Mm-hmm. And there are cases where that works really well. And Hathaway absolutely friggin' killed her song. She did. And she did it without a tick track. She was just interpreting. She goes at her own pace. There's a reason she won an Oscar for that. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Much of the rest of the show starts to absolutely fall apart because you can hear the orchestra trying to match this very stutter-stop rhythm of yep. the soloists. Mm-hmm. Another thing he does cinematographically is he prefers close-ups over every other kind of shot. And so whereas when you see Les Mis in person, as we talked about before... It is a big, sweeping, epic thing. The book itself is one of the great epics of history. The movie is a series of extremely tight close-ups and no variety whatsoever. You get to know Hugh Jackman's face better than you've ever known anyone's face in your life. And there's maybe three shots in the whole movie where the camera pulls back far enough to see an entire crowd or to see, Mm -hmm. you know, a big portion of the city. And in those moments, you're like, yes, finally, it's going to be epic. No, it's not. We're going to go straight back to a close-up. There's none of that variety, none of that sense of scope that the story demands. And so he's doing some things really well, focused on individual performers, giving them the time to interpret music, giving them the ability to really show emotion on their face. And then the rest of it completely falls apart. Right. And a few more points on this. Mm -hmm. That actually kind of work for Les Mis that I knew would be just awful for cats. Okay. So Tom Hooper likes emotion. You can tell this in the big power songs Mm -hmm. and he wants his actors to act first, sing second. In fact, if you read about the experiences, he, for instance, would have Hugh Jackman be dehydrated on set 
intentionally in order to get a raw performance. Mm -hmm. And he'll do the, you know, here's Johnny Jack Nicholson thing. Do the shot 40 times until you are just out of your gourd. Yeah. So that you are so frustrated by the experience, lots of emotion comes out of you. Mm -hmm. And that emotion is actually very different from singing with emotion. Yeah. And so he amps up the emotion of the acting and it interrupts the music quite a bit. And it makes it like a song in a musical. Its job is, a lot of people say, a character has so much emotion that it can't be expressed. And so instead they sing a song to convey to you mm -hmm. what their emotional state is. Yeah. It's a replacement for the emotion that bursts out of them, yeah. so to speak. And so a well-styled song working really well will convey the emotion without the emotion actually having to be there. And a lot of really great musicians and singers know how to make a song sound. For instance, like you're crying mm -hmm. while you're singing when yeah. you're not actually crying while you're singing. Because if you cry while you sing, your song is bad. It becomes bad. Yeah. And again, this worked decently well for Les Mis. It meant that In someone who likes the music, like I love the music of Les Mis, mm -hmm. disliked a lot of the renditions in Les Mis because the music was falling apart. The beats were off. People weren't in sync with each other. They weren't in sync with the orchestra, but they were acting. And Les Mis is about, my whole world is falling apart. I need to try to pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. Cats is about little cats dancing around, singing about the fact that they like to push things off of shelves. Yeah. Right? Or that, you know, this is the handsome cat. This is the cat that likes to eat. This is the cat that, you know, used to live on Broadway. This is, yeah, you know, yeah. This, is, this is all the, the different little cats doing their things. Mm -hmm. It does not work for cats, <laughs> let me tell you. But it does not work in the most beautiful of ways. So okay. let me explain to you. I'm excited. So number one, the CG. This is so interesting to watch, the CG on the cats. It's, like I said last week, it's mesmerizing to just sit there and watch the CG because the stage production, one of the things they know they need to do is they need to evoke the sense of being a cat with, you always say, describe something in a book, a small item in a lot of detail and mm -hmm. let the mind paint the picture of the larger detail. Yeah. You know, describe the bullet holes in the window so that we know what kind of building we're in and what part of town we're in. Don't go for paragraphs and paragraphs. Building every little detail, let the imagination create it. Yeah. And the stage musical does that. The shadows of the makeup on the face and things, when you look at them up close, you're like, mm. but mm -hmm. from a distance, the whole point is to evoke the feeling of a cat so that you can add to all of this the scenery because Cats tends to be minimalist in the productions with the scenery. It tends to be about the ballet and all of these things. And you add it all. Ballet, cats don't dance like a ballerina does. Mm -hmm. But dancing like a ballerina evokes the nimbleness and grace of a cat. That is why Cats works. Yeah. And so if you instead say, we are going to CG them to look like Cats... Mm -hmm. A lot. And we are going to CG the environment 
to have a weird uncanny valley perspective on how big these cats are. And we are going to take the imagination and the evoking of them being cats away. And instead, we are going to have them dance and make their tails shake in unison to the music. Suddenly, everything is broken. All of that describe in little detail, mm-hmm. and you end up with the musical version of what in text is someone going on seven pages about the description to the point that you are bored by the description and the description overwhelms the story. Mm-hmm. You have that version with the CGI yeah. in this where suddenly it's like, I can't imagine them being cats because you've shown me cats, but the cats you've shown me are so uncanny valley that it destroys any ability to see this as anything but people being humans trying to pretend trying to be cats. to look like cats. Yeah. I feel like this is a problem with a lot of stage two film adaptations mm-hmm. and a lot of book two film adaptations that yeah. once you make it hyper real, once yeah. we're able to see a photo or a video of the thing, then you've stolen our ability to imagine. And yeah, so it does not surprise me at all that this is a problem cats would fall into. So here's the thing though. Then he adds on top of it, if you're going to do that, lean into it, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, lean into Lion King Jean Favreau, right? Which I'm not as down on as a lot of people are. I can understand why people don't like that one, mm-hmm. but he leaned into his vision and he kept it up. In this, you have that kind of hyper-realism, but they're on two legs. So it's already like, huh? And then you jump between surreal images of cats unzipping their coats and having another costume on underneath yeah. of no continuity of set because it's all green screen and CG. Every cut, you will often have the cats in a different location in the room or a different place. And so they are teleporting around the room and around the city mm-hmm. in a way that like in a normal musical, you would understand that if you go into the song that you're non-diegetic. This is not actually happening anymore. Yes. You're in the song. They don't do this in all of them. Les Mis didn't do this. But mm-hmm. others, you're in the song and they're dancing in the clouds. And you're like, oh, they're not actually in the clouds. This is a representation of the fact that they are now singing and the singing represents something. Yeah. In Cats, you don't know because suddenly they're standing in front of the fridge and then the next cut, they're in another room doing something completely different. And then the next cut, they're outside and there's not a breath between those beats. And you're like, what am I watching? Where are they? Is this diegetic or not? I don't understand. Tom Hooper, yeah. what are you doing? And This is sounding almost like a music video style. Yes. Where it's the yeah. same dance, but mm-hmm. they did three different costumes and they yes. shot it three different times. They and do then that. Just- on a bunch Stuck of the it together. songs. That's really interesting. I will say in contrast to this, mm-hmm. and I raved last week about Evita, which is one of my favorite film adaptations. That's one of the few I've seen where making it hyper real sells it. Right. To the point that after I saw the movie, I could not imagine seeing it on stage because how could you possibly do everything they did? No, Evita, they leaned into it, though. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Banderas is not diegetic, and they make it very clear mm-hmm. he's a narrator. He exists he as exists. kind of an out-of-story narrator. Yeah. But and the- when they go in the song, she can dance with him, and you're in that dream place. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's a masterful masterwork, and this is yeah. this is something else. Yeah, just This is something amazing. Two, two, two very different takes on this same concept of film realism. But because of this, as you're watching, at least if you're... If you're me, you are just, it's so incredibly cool to watch 
how this gets bungled mm-hmm. every moment to moment. Yeah. It is like watching the actors all have a different take on what it is to be a cat. The star, I'm trying to remember her name. Was it Hudson? Uh, Hudson? No, not Jennifer Hudson. She is one of the stars. But no, the new- the, Oh, the new young girl cat. I don't she, know. Is fantastic, like legit fantastic. Okay. No jokes, fantastic. She understands that this is a ballet. She is a ballerina. She's a dancer. Mm-hmm. Her motions are, I'm a graceful ballerina. This evokes the sense of a cat. She gets it, right? Mm-hmm. She's from theater. Ian McKellen gets it. Ian McKellen almost works. It's so weird to get to his song and you're like, oh man, it almost works. You almost are doing it. Like, if everyone else could do what Ian McKellen is doing, I might actually like not like this show because it might just be boring, right? <laughs> because it might just be cats then. Yeah. But Ian McKellen is just masterful. Which cat is he? He's Gus the theater cat. Okay. And that makes sense. He leans into being a cat. He like, you know, like rubs on things in a way that doesn't look embarrassing. It looks like he's in on the joke and mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. And yeah. it really works. But the others go between this weird. We dance ballet, and that means we're a cat, to we are acting like cats, to some weird thing between that they don't have any sort of continuity of what it means to be in cats. Are you people (laughs) dancing like cats? Are you actual cats that stand on your hind legs? Mm -hmm. McKellen is a cat who stands on his hind legs. Victoria, that's the name of the cat who's the, Mm -hmm. she is a ballerina evoking the sense of a cat. Mm-hmm. And they're in the same movie, and they don't work together in the same way at all. And then you have- Isn't Idris Elba in this? Oh, you have Idris Elba? Oh, this is so- We're going to get there. We're going to get to the story. Okay. Gonna, they, okay. Idris Elba, we're going to get there. But mm-hmm. I have to say one more thing about the setting. Okay. They don't keep a continuity of how big the cats are in relation to their setting. Like, this would have been number one. On my list, if you were going to be hyper-realistic. So in one shot, the cats will come up to the doorknob of the Mm -hmm. doors of the buildings they're in. And in another shot, they are dancing on train tracks where they could all fit on a single track. Okay. In a line. Yeah. So they are- Like toy train? No. Real train. Where where, where theater, which actually the only musical numbers that work, in my opinion, in the whole thing are- the theater cat song mm-hmm. and the train song. Okay. And I'll explain how in a minute. But regardless, they teleport to the train tracks. And so a train track is what? Not not the whole train, just the, the bar. Just the one? The big, metal oh, guide rail. Probably five feet long? No, 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 no. Wide. How wide are they? Oh, wide? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's They're, like The eight cats inches. are as wide as those things. They're yeah. maybe a few inches wide. So they go. Okay. There, and then in other scenes- Oh, you mean the metal rail. The metal rail. I was thinking of no. the wooden no, pieces no. They that all of a sudden I can't remember on the metal called. rail in a row. Yeah. They're the size of mice. Two or three inches wide. Yes. That's and insane. Then, and you're not sure, is it because it's a song and it's now not diegetic, it's not real, but they teleported there. Maybe the songs aren't, but then other shots where they're running around, like- they do the Rumple Teaser and Mongo. The Skim, song Skimble Shanks. Yeah, no, no. They do the oh. Cats Destroying the House song. Mongo Jerry and Rumple yeah. Teaser. Mongo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. And Victoria comes out with what is it? At is it a ring? She's got a ring that they stole from the humans, and it goes around her hand, her whole hand. 
right? Mm-hmm. And she's carrying it up. And that's not in a song. So in that thing, this ring is giant to her. Yeah. And so her paw is a half inch wide. And yet she's standing by a door where she comes up to the doorknob. So she's four feet tall. So she's four feet tall. Her hand is half an inch wide. Or and the human, human she stole a ring from yeah. is a giant. Like, it's so baffling. And it just, each scene, you're like, wait, how big are they? Wait, how big are they now? Mm-hmm. Wait. And, and to be clear, this yeah. is not done purposefully or for effect. This I is don't just, think so. Because you could do it as cats are whimsical. And this will mm-hmm. get us to our next point, because I, I do have to move on. Cats are whimsical. <laughs> We're in a dreamland with cats. Mm-hmm. But why are you having it be hyper-realistic? And also, why is it so dramatic? That's the thing. He amps the drama through the roof for this production because it worked in Les Mis. Yeah. And so suddenly, the cats are scary at first and dramatic. And suddenly, Mr. Mistopheles has a character arc, right? This is one of the things. If you don't know cats, here's the basic story of cats. All the cats get together and sing their songs. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy, the head of the cats, then picks one of them to die. To go to the heavy side layer, which is heaven. And get reborn and use one of their nine lives to get another life. And there is not a villain. There's not really. I mean, old Deuteronomy gets taken at the end. Mm -hmm. And a cat named Mr. Mistopheles, who's a magic cat, comes on and is like, oh yeah, I'll sing my song and poof, old Deuteronomy's back, right? And that's as much tension as exists in Mm -hmm. Cats, Yeah, is that. So in this, they make Mr. Mistopheles bad at magic. Okay. And is there from the beginning trying to convince Victoria to like him and is bumbling and missing his cues in the songs like deliberately mm-hmm. like stumbling through some of the music bumbling falling off of things and stuff like that and then McCavity, who is the scary cat who is played by Idris Elba That's the Idris Elba cat is okay. stealing all the other cats and sticking them on a boat with pirates so that he can win the I get to reborn prize for he, he can be the only yeah. one left the only one left Okay, and so they add in McCavity, and it's it's so much fun because doesn't he, Adam, am I wrong? Doesn't he grab one and as he vanishes, go meow and vanish? Doesn't yes. he once do that? Yes. Like he, he'll pop up and it'll be like meow and vanish. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh, it's delightful. And he has a different line each time. Idris Elba like, should do that in every movie he's I think in. at one point he like says his name. It's like an anime villain. He's like McCavity and vanishes with somebody, <laughs> right? And like... It's so wonderful. And so they rewrite Mr. Mistopheles to be bad at magic. So at the end, everyone can see how great he is so that he can then do magic for real for the first time and bring, bring Deuteronomy Deuter- back okay. from McCavity. Not the other cats The McCavity stole. They have Just to walk Deuteronomy. the plank. Okay. Because she's in the middle of walking the plank when he teleports <laughs> her. Just, Just her. Just Deuteronomy. And it's... It's amazing because they give him a character arc and they make everything dramatic. Like he's mm-hmm. got he's got this character arc and Victoria's this new cat and she's scared of all this things and everything's really dramatic at the beginning as they're like saying their little what's a jellical cat at the beginning, the chant, and it's yeah. all creepy. And she's like, oh no, uh, jellical cats are going to get me. What's a jellical cat? 
and everything is just a little bit more emotional and a little bit more dramatic, except it's cats. Yeah. And so it doesn't work at all. Yeah. And you're mixing it with all these whimsical visualizations that are not working on their own. And together, you're like, you all really think you're going to win Oscars and you're all deserving of it because you're all really good actors. Mm-hmm. But you have Tom Hooper trying to make cats into Les Mis. And it's so yeah, and wonderful. It, it's not Les Mis. Well, and T.S. Eliot's. Yeah lyrics mm-hmm. his his poetry is overtly silly as well yes. i mean just calling something a jellical cat yes that's a dr seuss word yes it would be impossible i think well, to give I, it gravitas i say the soliloquy at the end makes this clear if you watch cats like watch just the soliloquy by deuteronomy judy dench in the movie who is judy dench so she's wonderful but she also is being a very odd version of a cat where she's sometimes stretching her leg up in the air like you're like are you gonna start licking your bum because that's that's the <laughs> anyway it's very weird she sometimes has human hands mm-hmm. it's a cg not quite getting done sometimes she doesn't but okay so i have a question for you yeah because from what you're describing it sounds like they have brought in this victoria cat yes and given her kind of protagonist status yes and a big character arc in the story no no, no arc no well, arc oh, okay an arc she does get an arc you're right she, okay. they give her an arc well and yes. so my question is what little story there is in yes. the stage version is all about griselda yes and how she kind of is the unloved cat yes she's the outsider that no one will touch her no one will talk yes. to her and then she kind of gets her big thing she yes. has the one song that is Tim Rice instead of T.S. Eliot, Mm -hmm. the one song everyone can sing because it's a real song instead of a weird poem. What does the movie do with her? So it is, you're right, because Victoria becomes, so she's our protagonist cat. We see through her eyes. She Mm -hmm. wants to be a Jellicle cat and she wants to be accepted by this group. She got thrown. She was in a sack. Someone dropped her off in an alleyway. Okay. It's the only human you see is like a hand dropping her and then all the cats are creepy and then they all sing to her. But- This kind of ruins it because, this is an aside, they all sing to her. So diegetically in the film, all the initial songs before the intermission weren't actually sung for the Jellicle Ball like they are in the play. The structure, if you guys know, they're all singing their song and Deuteronomy's going to pick the best singer to die, jokingly. To go to heaven. To go to heaven. And in the play, they all are singing these to her so then in the intermission, they you're saying, have- You're saying in the movie, they're the all movie. singing to her? Sorry, in the movie. Okay. They're all singing them to Victoria. So then they have to have an intermi- in the intermission, they take the intermission song and have them sing them again for Deuteronomy. Because they've ruined the structure of the movie <laughs> by having them sing their yeah. songs to Victoria instead of singing these songs for the Jellicle Ball. So then you have an intermission that's a big, fast montage of them doing their songs again for Deuteronomy. Because you've ruined the what you ruin Scratch has almost no story, and, and they, they still ruin they it. They ruined it, which is so wonderful. <laughs> I I just was I was in awe of the fact that you can write this story in one line, and they still ruined it, and that's amazing. But then, let me be frank: giving Mister Mistopheles an arc is not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Whoever floated that in the writers' room, I get you. It's a good idea. Having uh, Victoria be a window through which we experience this, another good idea. Whoever mm-hmm. floated that in the writer's room, good job. That's a, taking, and she's as a cat from Cats, the stage, they just yeah, bring her yeah. to the forefront. They give 
a new song Taylor Swift wrote, and that's all a good idea. You can't win best original song if it's not an original song. You got to add a song. Mm-hmm. You then can have her connect with Grizabella, which is what they do. Grizabella is like lurking at the outside, and Victoria sings the new song, the Taylor Swift song, to Grizabella to be like, you should come join us. I'll befriend you. And at the end, Grizabella is not going to sing Memory. You're not going to get Memory. You're not going to get the big song until Victoria goes and brings her in and says, no, sing your song. And so they give her a little arc in being like, I want to be a Jellicle cat. I see this one that's a Jellicle cat that they all dislike. I'm going to help her, you know, be mm-hmm. welcome back into the fold. Good idea. Okay. But at the same time, you've now ruined the whole idea of the ball, the Jellicle ball. Yeah. Because everyone's singing to Victoria instead. And you couldn't leave well enough alone. You had to have an antagonist. So you write McCavity stealing cats. And it gets really bizarre in delightful ways and really strange. And then we'll go into my final point. Okay. They ruin all the songs. They ruin, okay. They ruin almost all the songs. In the same classic no tick track kind of way or even worse than that? Even worse. Okay. So why Cats works, in my opinion, the play, Mm -hmm. is you have these momentum through these great songs that you are watching ballet while you're doing it. And then you'll get a different song with a different tempo and a different style soon after. Yeah. It's like Joseph, but they're all thematically, they've got the same mm-hmm. poetry. And so they're- Yeah, that kind of yeah. anthology style yes. that he does with Joseph and he does it with Starlight Express yeah. and he does it with everything. Yes. And so instead, Tom Hooper doesn't seem to like the music. And so he cuts away from the music frequently to jokes or to plot. Okay. And so you cut to either Rebel Wilson doing improv, like they do this in the Rum Tum Tugger song. Rebel Wilson, she is the first cat. The one that Jenny dances Annie with... Jen, yeah, Jenny there Annie we go. And they cut to her doing jokes through multiples of the songs. Or they cut to plot, meaning let's get Grizabella to come in. Or Mr. Mistopheles, they ruin Mr. Mistopheles by mm-hmm. having him cut to him to being bumbling and not being able to do his thing. So the entire momentum of the song dies mm-hmm. and then has to restart and then dies and then has to restart. And so a bunch of the songs have the same tempo, the tempo being we are having a song. Now we cut away. Now mm-hmm. we're family guy or we're cutting to plot. And then we come back to the song instead of letting the songs propel us through the story. They are cutting or they're cutting to cats are creepy weird stuff's happening or yeah. we're cutting to you know action or we're cutting to this and almost all the songs are ruined by frequent cuts yeah and then they get to memory and they ruin memory by not letting Jennifer Hudson sing by making her cry through the whole through song the whole thing oh my and so gosh. memory almost gets there she almost overcomes it she's really good when they let her sing She is good, but they don't let her sing for most of it. And she's choking and she's sobbing and she's croaking. And the best song in the play is ruined. Yeah. By them trying to win another Oscar. Trying to lay Miz it. Yes. Trying to say, Anne Hathaway did this Mm -hmm. and got an Oscar. That is interesting with all the cuts and Mm -hmm. with the momentum because Cats is a very different style of musical than Les Mis is. Les yes. Mis is trying to be more operatic. Mm-hmm. There's so much 
recitativo where they are singing dialogue. Many of the songs use the same music recycled over, and it's kind of designed to present this big tapestry of sound, that everything mm-hmm. is connected, everything's all part of the same piece. It sounds almost like he's trying to do that with Cats. He is. Which is overtly opposite of that, as yes. you said. Every song is a different character in a different style for a different purpose. And the new song that's written is a song for Les Mis. It's a good song. Taylor Swift wrote it, but mm-hmm. it does not fit Cats yeah. at all. It's them trying very hard to... yeah. Yeah, To win an Oscar. And to be fair, even Evita, which is I've already raved about, the song Madonna wrote for that, for Mm -hmm. the same reason, also didn't work at all. (laughs) Yeah. And so this movie, I am shocked, having watched this movie, that more people aren't talking about viewing parties for this movie. Why is all the discourse, Cats is terrible, don't watch it. Why is the discourse not? This is mesmerizingly beautiful in the way only a disaster can be, an unintentional disaster. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't get it because I loved it. I legitimately loved it because there's talent on display with all these bizarre choices. And I just, I couldn't look away. It was great. And this is different from something like Battlefield Earth, which was just a disaster. And I was miserable the entire time. Mm -hmm. This, I wasn't miserable for a minute. Adam backed me up on this. He was uncertain, (laughs) but like, it is truly great. And well, I don't I understand this. why people aren't just having viewing parties of this thing. It is wonderful. Okay, so if we ever are able to get our Dan and Brandon watch movies together show yes. off the ground, we got to do this one, clearly. We, we definitely have to do this one. Man, I will, like, I will watch this thing a dozen times. <laughs> it is, we're going to find new ways that it's bad every time we watch it, I guarantee. Yeah, and you will probably love it more every time. Mm-hmm. Meow. <laughs> 